Hello, and before we dive into today's interview with Vangelis, don't forget that the Queer Student Awards are now open for entries. Um, you can find out more at thequeerstudentawards.co.uk. Nominations will close on the 14th of May, and you can also follow us on Instagram as well, at the Queer Student Awards. Enjoy the show. A lot of people ask me about my voice, and they say, have you always been, have you always been good? Have you always just been able to sing? And, and I think a lot of people, when they hear other singers, they think that. They think you just woke up and you have this voice. And whilst I do think there, there is an element of that, I've always been able to sing. I feel like I worked hard to not just be good. Like I wanted to be great. When it comes to your career, there really is no one formula for success. And if someone had asked me 20 years ago what career I would be working in today, I doubt I would have said employer branding, a career that didn't even exist at the time. Some of the best stories I've ever heard didn't follow a plan. They simply embraced the journey. And that's why I've created this podcast, to share the many career stories that have shaped the people behind them, and to encourage future generations to trust more in the process instead of stressing over getting it right the first time. I'm Steve, and welcome to the My Career Story Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the My Career Story Podcast with me, your host, Steve Keith. Now, this week's guest is Vangelis Polidoru, who first came to our attention in 2016 when he auditioned for The Voice UK. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. So Vangelis' unique voice pushed him through to the finals and made him one of the clear standouts of the season. His mentor on the show was legendary pop icon Boy George, who saw something in him and has continued to work with him ever since. George handpicked Vangelis to sing in his band Culture Club for their 2018 world tour, and most recently Vangelis supported them with his own set at Wembley Arena. With George on board as his creative manager and ex-Cockatoo Twins drummer Benny D on production, Vangelis began working on songs for his debut album The Drama and he's just released his first single off it, Throw Me. So Vangelis, what is your career story? What is my career story? Um, oh God, I don't know where to start. Where are we starting from? Are we starting from... Um, I don't know, let's maybe start um, from where your passion for singing came from. I don't know where it came from, to be honest, because I don't really have a musical family. So I was really the only one that was really into it. I mean, my mum did take us to a choir when I was younger and I had to audition for that. And I think I was about four years old. Mm. So she didn't think I'd get through because I was too shy. And then I had to go into this room and sing for this guy. And then he came out and was like, oh, he's got a really good like pitch. And my mum was like, oh, OK. And then I went in and I used to watch people go up doing solos all the time. And I used to be, watch them and just think, oh, I really want to do that. But I never did it because I was too shy. So I'd always kind of be, I don't know, a bit more reserved and just used to watch people. And then I sp- suppose when you start doing your GCSEs and things like that, um, there was a BTEC that came up for performing arts. And I'd done performing arts anyway, like since the age of 11, I was going to a, a um, kind of like a Saturday school and I was doing a lot of, of, of things there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I did. I did performing arts there, and then um, 
that was really weird because again I wasn't really telling anyone I could sing or was a singer so we had this one um one performance where we had to sing for the first time and no one knew I could sing and I went up and was like oh yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna sing One Moment in Time by Whitney Houston like it's so gay <laughs> yeah everyone was like are you sure you want to do that one um yeah and it's just like, like that really and then I think because because I used to get really good reactions but I, rem I remember thinking that early on at that performance when um people were listening to me I used I saw someone like shaking their head and then someone being like, I thought they weren't liking it. And then when I finished, there was like people crying and there was all this. And I was like, this is weird. I thought, I was like, oh, I thought they weren't liking it. And um, so I think you get addicted to that kind of, I don't know, you feel like special and then, you, you know, your confidence grows, you start getting good, good feedback. And then, um, and then what happened? And then I just, yeah, I kept doing GCSEs and then I did, um, I did like a higher diploma in vocals. I went to college to do music. And then I went to uni for music as well. And um, when I finished there, I think my mum wanted me to do like a teacher's degree or something or, or something in teaching. And I just remember thinking like, I don't want to do that. I want, I've been working with music and studying all this for like so many years now. I just want to have a year of um, auditioning for things and just see what happens. And then like, um, yeah so within that year I auditioned for The Voice and then um it just all kicked off from there really I don't for people that don't know there's a lot of producer rounds on these shows before you actually get to the televised stage so when I said like 48,000 singers earlier like you you audition amongst 48,000 singers but they only pick 120 singers to sing in front of the coaches otherwise it would just take that there's not enough time in like in a year <laughs> to do that and um I just kept getting through all the rounds and I was actually scouted for the voice so it wasn't something that I was like oh I'm gonna apply for the voice voice this year and actually I had applied I'd actually auditioned for the voice five years earlier and I didn't even get past the first stage which is a line of 10 singers you all sing a cappella, like 40 seconds, 40 seconds each. I didn't even get past that, which just makes me laugh. Go from that to, you know, being a finalist. But I, I think the difference was back then I was kind of singing quite safe and not really showing what I could do. So when I went to this, this singing teacher, she, um, she said, can I send your video into a scout? And then he saw me and then he would, and then you basically get a scouting audition and then you still have to audition along at like the same as everyone else. And to be honest, on the day I went, I saw hundreds of people that were scouted. I never saw them again. Yeah. I, I never saw any of them again in the audition process. So it doesn't, it means like, all it means is you just skip the first room. But that is kind of what pushed me to audition because I had someone being like, oh, I've put you forward for this. And um, that's how it started. And then basically, I think my song that I had was, do you know, Wings by Birdie? So the way it works when you're going through all these rounds is you get a list of like thousands of songs and there's, you have to pick like three slow, three mid-tempo, three up-tempo and three of your own that you want to do. And um, then they pick three and then you come in on audition again for all the kind of executive producers. And um, they're very stern and very like just watch, watching you. And they wanted me to do um, Wings by Birdie one last time by Ariana Grande, which I kind of sneakily put it in because 
I put that as an, as an upbeat, my upbeat version, but I wrote acoustic version because it was the slower one. So I was like, oh, thank God. And then I think it was How to Save a Life. But on the day, um, I only sang two. I sang Birdie uh, Wings and then I sang one last time. And then they gave me a call and said, um, it's a couple of weeks later, like, we'd really love to offer you a blind audition. So that's when you know you've been, in, you're one of that 120 singers. So for me, I was like, oh, it's amazing. I thought I had work that day. My first, the first audition day I had work. And I, I've been for loads of, of shows before. So I never usually get past the producer around because I was singing quite safe and not really showing everything that I could do. Mm. And um, yeah, so when they called me that, called me saying that, I just said to them like, oh, okay, I, I thought you would have gone for one last time because it's kind of, I don't know, I just thought it showed me off more. And they were like, oh, you know, we think it's a really anthem song. We really believe in it. We, we think that you could do it justice, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. I'm not I'm not sure but I'll go with it if that's what you want because you want to kind of you don't really want to go against the producers and what they're saying because it's a tv show so um then literally an hour later she called me back and she said I don't even know if I'm allowed to tell you this I'm just telling you anyways it's been five years I won't care um she rang me back and she was being really complimentary and really like I was like what does she want from me like what is she trying to what was she trying to get but she just basically said she was like to be honest she goes I'm going to be real with you we don't get a lot of voices like yours on the voice and we think you're really different and we think putting you with wings by birdie and having the same arrangement it's not really showing off what you could what you could do so we were thinking or maybe if we take a song completely change it around and make that different and put that with your different voice hopefully it could be like a moment for you like you never you never know so I was like okay so what's what you know what what's your what are you suggesting and then she was like oh we were thinking of you doing one of the coaches songs and I said um which one because obviously when I auditioned I didn't know who the coaches were and I actually auditioned with um Hope There's Someone by Antonina Johnson's which weirdly Boy George has a song with Antonina Johnson's so I couldn't have known that when I auditioned for producer around so it was just a weird like fate thing I think it was just weird I don't know why I say fate thing. It, it was it was fate. But you know what I mean? It was just strange. And then um, they, when they said, do you really want to hurt me? This is going to sound so bad. I didn't know that song, which is crazy because everyone's like, how can you not know do you really want to hurt me? I knew Karma Chameleon, but I didn't know a lot about George. And I didn't know, I don't know. I just didn't know a, a lot about him. I mean, I had watched Worried About the Boy, which is this BBC film. So I was always intrigued with him because I watched the whole thing and was like oh I love that but I didn't know as much as the show was letting on that I knew and um when they suggested it I listened to it and I was like oh, I really I like it um and they said just imagine it without the the reggae kind of vibe and then basically they send you a song like a really rough piano version I came up with the vocal literally over the next couple of days and then I went in with the live band and then I just had a couple of things like oh, I want to do this note here and I want to cut this this line because again you only get a minute and 40 seconds so I you know I really wanted to utilize as much as as I could so yeah that's how it happened and then um I found out later on there was about four people doing a Boy George song and they were seeing who which one they wanted to go with and then they went well, as soon as I came in and sang that version of it um they were like, yeah, we're going to go with that. And then the, we always had wings in the background. So they said, if it doesn't work, we've still got wings. But as, as soon as I signed it, they were like, yeah, 
and I knew in my head that just from like a publicity point of view I kind of thought and just a show point of view and like even though I hadn't been on one of these shows I kind of know I've, in my head I thought I know the way they kind of work and I thought if they're asking me to recoach this song they must be interested in me because they wouldn't spend that much time making a song so I just had this good feeling about it um and um I also had a bad feeling as well I had this feeling of like they're going to set me up and I'm going to do it and then George is going to be like he's not going to turn and it's going to be an awkward kind of an awkward thing so yeah it was nerve-wracking but I think I think I would be more nervous now doing it because I know George more and I know how honest he is so I was kind of ignorant it's his bliss is kind of thing back then because I didn't I hadn't watched a lot of like interviews with him and a lot of things like that and obviously I'm you know I'm not I wasn't born in the in the 80s so um I just I hadn't seen I hadn't seen the wedding singer either because everyone's always like haven't you seen the wedding singer um so I'd be more nervous now I think to sing to sing that in front of him but that's basically the full story of how that happened so um yeah sometimes reality tv is a very you know it's it's not always reality I mean I still have a picture in my room of Boy George that they asked, could they put it in my room? Really? I know. Yeah. They said, can we put a picture of George in your room? And I was like, why? You're going to make me look like a freak? Was like, are you going to put like a heart around or something? They're like, no, just a normal picture. I was like, do you know what? For me, I was like, I'm going to play the game. Fine. Like, do it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a few other things that like, weren't really true but they were kind of true so so I remember they kept saying about me like I'd never performed before I'd never sang in public before I you know just which kind of made me laugh because it was like as if I just started singing that day which is could not be further from the truth but I did what I did say to them was I hadn't ever performed my own music publicly mm. so that was true I had performed before and it wasn't my first time going on stage but you know, when you're on a show and they're trying to paint you as a character, everyone has a story and everyone has to have this different thing. So my story was just like, oh, I've never sang before. I've just only sing in the shower, like, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, which obviously wasn't true. So, yeah, but I'm sure we'll talk about the voice more. But yeah, it's still, still like an amazing like platform and opportunity. And I have I don't really have anything negative to say about the 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 team or anything like that I think everyone was really professional and nice and I think it actually is one of the more professional shows that you will go on I knew with the voice that there was an element of scouting there um because we don't see that massive hysteria of thousands of people queuing to audition that you often see on other shows um and at the end of the day it's a show right um it's something that's produced and directed uh, I've had friends that have gone to auditions for The X Factor and they've told me that production teams walk down the queue um, asking people to sing um, and pull them out of the queue and get them into the building. Um, I would expect it to be a monster of a machine, to be honest. And when you're on a show like that, um, because ultimately we're looking, they're looking, sorry, for ratings as well as a winner. No, definitely. I think on, all sh on every single show, there's um, scouts for all of them and they I mean I don't know why they do it because they always do find um I mean they always have amazing people auditioning it anyway but for the voice I think the majority I think I'm trying to think I know a lot of them was a lot of them were scouted and um you know some weren't some weren't scouted they just auditioned themselves and um 
yeah even, even just when you look at the finalists I was just looking at the pictures like um not the other day but god it was it was ages ago years ago when you look at everyone everyone looks completely different like you know just just the way they had organized it all and it was just very you know there wasn't a kind of tall dark head guy, Greek guy there I was the only one <laughs> um but I did feel quite um like for me to audition in London, for me, it was like such a, a massive achievement because there's so there's like thousands of singers that audition in London. Mm. And I think it was me and one other guy. And I don't think I think I was the only one that was born in London that was in the final 12. So I kind of thought to myself, like, oh, my God, this is so weird. Because, um, again, you know, I had been for so many shows before throughout from the age of 15. Mm. I'd been auditioning for things. So not every single year, um, some were scouted, some X Factor scouted, some other uh, Andrew Weber show scouted, like just, just really random things. Um, but for some reason, this year was very strange, especially when I sang for my first audition, because normally they're quite stern in those auditions. They're very like, okay, yeah. But she was so like, well, as soon as I finished, she was like, oh, I'm covering goosebumps. And I was like, oh and everyone was like so am I and I was like oh this is weird because I wasn't expecting it so um yeah very strange and where do your musical influences come from um I heard Anthony the Johnson's in there um one of my favorite artists um a very distinctive artist that I perceive as being very creative as well and uh, something that I think comes across with you um I'd expect there's a great deal of artistry is there um, what goes into that? I think a lot of it stems from what you listen to when you were younger. And I think when I was younger, I listened to a lot of different types of music. So there was never one artist that I was like really obsessed about, like this is the only person, which I think is kind of a good thing because sometimes what you get is, so you get a girl that really likes, I don't know, Christina Aguilera she ends up sounding like Christina Aguilera because she's she's emulating what she's doing. And then, you know, we already have a Christina Aguilera. So you don't really get someone that's different. Um, but for me, I just listen to so many different things like Gabrielle, Spice Girls, like all the kind of like classic, like 90s, um, Desiree, all those kind of people. And then I think as I started getting older, um, I did think to myself, maybe I should listen to some more male singers. Because mm -hmm. um, I was listening to like Celine Dion, Whitney, Mariah, all the big, you know. I, I like singers. Do you know what I mean? I like singers that can sing. I don't, I'm, you get some, um, I hate saying like you get some gays that are like this, but you know, everyone has a gay, you think you have your gay icon, you know, like Britney or Cher or Barbara or whoever. I like the ones that can really sing rather than maybe just the kind of creativity. But at the same time, I still like them as well for different reasons. It depends what mood I'm in. I, I wouldn't really, if them, I'd put them on if I was going to a club or something, you know, I wouldn't want to listen to Celine if I was doing that. But um, I think it was a mix. And then I started listening to like randomly, like all oh, Michael Bublé and all these. I, I used to be quite embarrassed. I didn't listen to men a lot. And people who used to ask me like, oh, who do you sound like? And I'd be like, um, like I used to say like Ronan Keating, like what the fuck? <laughs> I don't sound like Ronan Keating at all. But he was like one, I think because I used to sing when you, when you say nothing at all. I was like, oh, let me just say him. 
So, sorry, it's a really long-winded answer, but I just think that it's so difficult to answer it because um, I've always been about, I, I could like a song of someone's or, someone's or like a live performance they did or something, but not necessarily loving every single thing that they've done. So there's not been that one person that I've completely idolised that if I met, I'd be like, oh my God, just like falling on the ground. Um, although there are some, like I know I've read mentioned Britney before, for me, someone like her would be so weird to meet because she, when I was younger, and especially even now people talk about her, she was so huge and everywhere. So it would just be a weird thing to see her. Um, even Celine, I didn't, I was like, oh yeah, I like that, I'm watching her, but I wasn't like, oh my God, like, you know, it was, it's, it's weird. So I don't know if that's answered your question, really. I think it's just a mix of um, growing up listening to so many different types of music. Like my mum used to listen to hot chocolate and kind of more soul music. Um, and I was, I was more pop and then I like R&B as well. So um, it really is a mix. And then nowadays, um, again, it is a mix, but I do like people like, you know, Marina and the Diamonds. I like Hurts. I like... You know, not everything that everyone does, but like Florence the Machine's cool as well. Um, Anthony Johnson's, Tom Adele, Jake Bug. I mean, again, you're speaking to me right there. Um, I was listening to Tom Adele this morning. Um, I'd seen him on the Graham Norton show a few days ago, actually. Um, you know, I, I think with music, and it sounds like it might be similar for you, but if I like a song, I'll listen to it and then perhaps dive into the rest of the album. It's off. Um, I'll look into the back catalogue of that artist. Uh, it's always been an exciting part of music for me. Um, it can happen at concerts and festivals as well, um, when they were a thing. Um, and as I often hear new music there too, um, and I always find it exciting. Um, it's a great form of escapism. And I've lost count of the times that I've listened to a song and storyboarded the music video um, with it in my head. Coming back to um, your single, Throw Me. You were involved in creating the music video, weren't you? Um, and I can see when watching it how you're showing the story that you're singing about. Um, do you want to tell us more about that? Yeah, so the song's about... Well, it's funny because if you asked me this before I did the video, the song wouldn't have been about what I'm saying it's going to be about. Okay. If that makes sense. I think what happened was when we... It was actually my boyfriend that kind of thought of the concept and was like, listening to the lyrics and I, you know at the beginning beginning I say horror movies vegan smoothies nights in nights out I need my space baby sometimes and then then I say fit and flawless tall and gorgeous yeah I'm shallow so what it's got to be rich it's got to be hot so he said it kind of sounds like you're looking for a guy and originally he had this idea of you could be speed dating and then we thought oh let's modernize it and because people use tinder and everything these days so it was it's such a simple concept but i've not seen a gay artist go on a date with a horror movie character um, <laughs> before so it's just funny how such a simple concept like no i don't i've never seen a gay artist go on dates with those different guys so we had this idea of um setting it in a cult horror movie world and i was kind of choosing who i wanted to go on a date with so at the start you know a cyclops comes up and i'm like oh no an overshopped merman comes up and I'm like, over photoshopped merman comes up and I'm like, oh no, don't want to go up him. And then um, the vampire's profile comes up and actually it's, I don't know if people dissected it, but on the vampire's profile, it says horror movies, vegan smoothies, nights in, nights out. So we wanted to show that that was his likes. So again, trying to incorporate, incorporate the lyrics of the song 
into the video. And um, yeah, so we kind of didn't want to make it costumey as well. So we, even though it is, but you know, for example, the vampire, it wasn't black and red. He was wearing a pink lace see-through suit. Originally we were like, oh, let's do like pleather and pink. And it's just like so hard to wear that material. So um, yeah, we kind of had that concept. And then for each day I go on, something's going wrong. So he's being a bit too touchy feely. Then I go on a date with a mummy who's wrapped in denim and he's doing a strip tease. So I'm getting bored because he's taken off all this, all, all this stuff. And, you know, he's not, he's not getting out. <laughs> so I'm just waiting, waiting. So um, that was the concept for us. It was just all, all different dates, all different guys. Um, all, we tried to incorporate different looking guys as well. So you know, I had my friend Jamie, who was kind of, he's quite Italian looking, but we made him very pale with the pink hair. We had Chris, who's, you know, they were all, they were all good looking guys. But, um, you know, and then we had the werewolf, like a really big, muscly black guy. We wanted to, and then we had Veronica Green, who's, who was also on Drag Race. So we wanted to show like, oh, well, she's a, she's a drag queen. So we'll put her on there because it adds, a, it adds a, another layer of the whole LGBT like themed um, video. So that was the concept, really. And then, um, yeah, I don't know if people got this as well, but when I'm in the bed and these spider legs come out, it's meant to symbolise that I'm a spider. So it's kind of because throughout you're thinking I'm going on dates with all these guys, like who am I? And the very end scene is me lying in bed with a fly. So the fly is caught in my web. So there's those little things that we didn't want to make too obvious for the, for the, for the audience. But things that if you watched again you'd be like oh okay i i, I get it I, get, I can see you know yeah. see where it is we wanted to leave it open to interpretation but yeah very clever totally didn't see that so i'm going to be watching it again after this um what, what i love about it too is that it shows men dating other men and i don't think that we see enough of that in music videos um is that something that's important for you as an artist perhaps even a way of showing your support for the lgbt plus community yeah, I think for me, it just feels like, I don't want to use the word normal because what, what is normal, but it just feels normal to use that because that is what I would use because that's what I'm attracted to. So for me, it wasn't like this radical thing, but maybe for some artists it is because they, they're not out and they are, you know, a lot of people think it's going to affect their career and sometimes it does, which is sad. And I do think that there aren't enough gay artists. like. It's, it's almost like as if Sam is the only one, like in, in terms of in pop commercial, I know there's more, I know there's like Adam Lambert, Troy Sivan, there's Ollie from years and years, there, there are more, but it's, I just think it's sad that you can only name like a handful, like of people that are actually, um, you know, a gay male artist. Um, I don't know, it's just very strange, especially when you have people like, Elton John, George Michael, Boy George, Freddie Mercury, people that have really done well. I still think there is this old fashioned, I'm imagining these men in business suits, like are, is this, is this gonna sell to girls at a young age? I'm not sure. But then the other thing that makes me laugh is you get someone like Harry Styles, let's say, who comes out, who's not really ever said what he is, I don't think, as far as I'm aware, yeah. which is fine, but he plays off, the whole, you know, am I, he keeps people guessing. And it's almost like, cause he was from a boy band, 
and he's got the guys. I don't know. It's a, it's it's a bit. There's something funny about it to me. Like there's something funny about. Like George tweeted this the other day, which is a bit controversial to say, but it said that um, the, the the gay pound, let's say, the gay pound is only worth something when it's spent in a straight shop. And I think what he means by that is that the like the the gay magazines in the gay world will come flocking once a gay artist or a gay person has been on something that is appreciated by the masses. That's what I notice happens. So I think it's it's very it's very difficult for a new artist to come out who is gay and just and to be I don't know I suppose to be for people to be interested. And and that's probably one of the tensions with the word queer in the community as well is that it it reinforces that idea of difference. That yeah. is a way of getting around it without actually having conversations of, about it. And it, it's interesting when you've got. Um, other artists in the industry, I suppose, for you that are almost paving the way, but also as well, like that people challenge me if I'm wrong, uh, looking at rather than looking at you as a new artist breaking into the industry. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I think you're right. And yeah, it, it's funny because it's almost like if a, if a girl does it in the game, it's, it's kind of like with drag queens as well like i i feel like they they're still not taken seriously even if even someone like bianca del rio i think if you were talking to a straight person they wouldn't they wouldn't really know especially if they're not in that world they wouldn't know who she was and they're like oh she looks ridiculous she looks ridiculous and and i do find that now this it's like no matter how big they are like i had to say to my sister the other day like do you know how like huge like drag race is and i know it's not all about drag race but she doesn't get it because she's not in that world. She doesn't realise. But I do have this theory, which I know sounds really controversial to say, but like, I feel like when a, a man dresses in, uh, up as, um, when someone dresses up or just whatever, like any, any person dressing up in drag, there's this thing of like, it's not threatening to you because it's so different to what you are that I think instead of gay guys seeing another gay guy who's a singer and maybe feeling a little bit, Mm, that's annoying like you know I don't know why there's that you know it could be a bit of jealousy or whatever there if someone's doing well with when someone's in drag I think it's completely different because it's so different to what you do it's almost like adoration you're like oh my god this person like I love and it's and it's heightened and everything's bigger um so even for me now like when I was doing the show like The Voice I was more dressed down and if I could go back I would dress up a lot more because you know I like the feeling of getting done up and being creative and and throwing myself more into it. Whereas back then I was more thinking just about the voice, but it's more about everything as a whole. And that's not because George just said to me, like, you need to wear this. It wasn't that at all. It was just, I remember when I went on tour with Culture Club, I, I was doing, um, I did a tour with them in 2018. George said, do you want to come and be in the bands and, and sing? do backing vocals and I was like yes which I know some people were like oh but do you want to do that if you're a, if you're a front person for me it was like this is an amazing experience to be able to go on tour with a, a band that have sold 150 million records the venues are huge mm -hmm. my first time I've ever gonna you know tour and um and it was really it was really great it was really fun I mean, what a fantastic opportunity to sing and tour with Culture Club. Um, I expect there were a lot of fans around then and that you have a lot of fans now of your own. 
Um, how do you cope with that? And I know from watching your Instagram live the other day that you don't necessarily like the word fan. Only because I, I find it strange because I still do all the things I did before, the voice and whatever. So I, I feel quite normal. Again, I, I know I shouldn't use the word normal, but I feel the same as I did before. So when I'm out with my friends or I don't I don't see myself as like, for me, when you talk about someone that's like famous or someone that's, you know, it's someone that sold loads of records and, you know, someone that's, and, and I think for me, I've done a lot of things that people, you know, might not ever do, which is cool. And seen a lot of places and toured and things and just gone to places and been in weird situations with other famous people. But I think um, I don't see myself like that. And I so if someone says like they're a fan, I just find it a bit like I would get a bit like not cringe, but if someone's a bit too over complimentary and stuff, it's just a bit like I hate. It's like I want compliments, but then I'm like, hey, don't go too far because I get a bit like, okay, no, that's enough now. I feel a bit like embarrassed by it, but. Um, yeah, I know what you're saying as well about when you're working with a record label or a management or whoever, and they're trying to see you in a certain direction. So I think the, the great thing about working with George, so I've I done a whole album with, with Boy George and we wrote all the songs together and there wasn't ever that conversation of like, it's going in this direction, this is the sound we're going for. It was just, we're making music, we're, you know, we're seeing what happens. Um, and I, yeah, it was an interesting process because initially I was actually working with this other guy who I won't name. Um, <laughs> Cause we were, try we were trying this whole like, oh, maybe it would be cool to do, have a band. Like it, you know, have two male lead singers, both wearing makeup and it just didn't work out in that way. But I recorded all these songs. So during lockdown, I went back in to, to redo all my parts. And I was like, do you know what? I want to do it by myself. Like I'm a solo artist. I tried this out for a little bit, it didn't work. Um, and um, the great thing about it was it pushed me to do something that I wouldn't normally do. Um, so I think a lot of people were probably expecting me to do like a ballad or something but like I did on the show. Um, but it wasn't like that because I had all these songs where I felt like I was playing this character of like pushing myself and that, you know. And actually now I listen to it, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Like I, I really like it. And um, initially with Throw Me, I, I wasn't, that thrilled with it because it was so different to all the other songs on the album so if people are you know some of the fans uh if they're expecting it to be like that it's not gonna be it's completely different it's more like synths like it's got a i don't know it's just i think it's cool and i and i like that I'm, i didn't do something that was just to be commercial like throw me's the commercial one that that's probably as commercial as it gets for me I could be wrong but um yeah I don't think it's about it, it wasn't about that I think it was just about making like real music whatever real music is but for me it's just not being refined and restricted to this one thing because a lot of stuff that does come out that does well does sound all the same and a lot of the industry and the radio stations and publicity and it's all to do with money so everything is to do with that so if you have if you have a lot of money and you're and you're good not you don't even necessarily have to be but if you are you've got contacts there's, there's loads of different things that come together but essentially if you've got money you can pay to get into a magazine you can pay to get on the radio you can pay to get on radio one so 
that part I don't like, but that's just the reality of the, the situation. So, you know, you, I don't know if your mum or whoever ever says, well, why are they on, why are they on there? So-and-so is better than them. That's, that's why, normally. But that's just life. Do you know what I mean? That's life. True. Um, shouldn't be that way. Um, it's kind of like nepotism in the workplace that I've seen and heard about far too many times and it really affects access for young people. Uh, for me, it slows down opportunities to create a more diverse workplace and to benefit and celebrate difference. And in some ways, I can see that in music today, although arguably there are a lot more artists like yourself breaking through and having mainstream success, which I love. For queer artists in particular, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think for me, when I say normal, it's just whatever whatever is normal to me. That's what I mean. So you could get a transgender person or um, a gay person or whoever saying, oh, oh, this is what's normal to me. So that's what I mean by it, not like, you get what I mean. <laughs> so I asked you before today to tell me what the title of the book would be that tells your career story. And you said, it's not enough to be good when you can be great. Do you want to explain that for us? I feel like a lot of people ask me about my voice and they say, have you always been, have you always been good? Have you always just been able to sing? And, and I think a lot of people, when they hear other singers, they think that, they think you just woke up and you have this voice. And whilst I do think there, there is an element of that, I've always been able to sing. I feel like I've worked hard to not just be good. Like I wanted to be great so I kept working and even now I still feel like I want to get better I'm so I'm always critiquing myself I'm always recording myself every time I sing I'm always listening to myself back and trying to get better so for me um yeah that's what I meant by that but you can also take that in life with anything so for me it's singing for you it might be something else for someone else it might be something else so I just think that you shouldn't rest on just being good because I I and in terms for singing as well I, I I think I read this somewhere and I really liked it it was like you get some amazing singers that think they're amazing they don't work on it or good singers I say and they, they but they stay good yeah they don't go any they just stay there they don't take it to the next level and then you get some that are good and they do the work and they're ama- and they're amazing and then you get some that aren't good they do the work and they get to a good stage um and then yeah then you do just get the the bad ones (laughs) but um yeah I think you know there's if you work hard at something I'm not saying everyone is going to be a singer I think a lot of it comes down to the way you're built the way your people don't really talk about this but like the way your skull is shaped your mouth your build everything that contributes to the sound and also your ear as well like the way you hear things Mm. so um a lot of the time people say I'm tone deaf or whatever a lot of people aren't tone deaf I think it's just they've not they think they are so because I say I'll sing this note and then then they do it and then I'm like okay so you're not tone deaf because you're matching what I just did but people assume so anyway yeah for me it's about um just being the best of yourself that you can be with whatever you're passionate about And three words that describe your career story. Now, you said persistence, underestimated and crazy. (laughs) Yeah, so I did write persistence and underestimated because I feel like 
I have auditioned for things since I was younger. I have done a lot of things and like, I've never taken no for an answer because I've always thought in my head, like I know that I'm good. And I know that, it sounds really up myself, but I know that I don't sound like other guy singers. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that pushed me forward because I, I thought to myself, there's a hundred, I'd hear people all the time, like there's a hundred of you, there's thousands of you, but there's not, I just, and I used to get that compliment a lot. People like, oh, you sound different to other guys. And I really ran with that. And I think when I had the opportunity to go on The Voice and, and I did get past that producer round um, and I got to showcase that, I'd always say if I get the chance to get on one of these shows properly and get seen, I think I could do well because of that. And even with The Voice, there were so many good singers in The Voice, like probably a lot of them were maybe better singers technically than I was, but they might have sounded like someone else they had. So I feel like it just pushes you to that next level and that next stage. Um, so yeah, persistence is definitely one. You can't just you can't just do one audition for something, not get through, and then be like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. And so many people do, and they give up on what they want to do. And with me, because I really wanted to do it, I just kept doing it and and being persistent. Um, and yeah, same with under, under the underestimating thing. I think when you're going through that that process of trying to get somewhere in life whatever you want to do a new job whatever and people are thinking oh like oh when's your cutoff point like is you know oh, are you still are you sure you want to do that you know you get a lot of doubters so um you kind of want to show them a little bit and crazy was because I feel like since the voice and like meeting George and and wherever like I've just been in very weird situations like with people I've met and you know, I went on holiday with George and um, we, we stayed, I'm laughing because it's just so funny because then I come back and I'm in like Holloway. Um, but um, like we were on like a yacht and then I went into this restaurant with him and everyone and then like Kylie Jenner's on the other table. It's just like a weird world where you're like, it's so strange to be, you know, it's just, it's just strange. It's all smoke and mirrors though. Everything's like, you know, it's, it's grander than what it is. And even when I did like the Royal Albert, Royal Albert Hall for this fashion uh relief thing like I don't get really starstruck but as I'm waiting to go on stage like Rihanna's walking off stage Janet Jackson's walking off stage they just walk past us it's just like that's that's weird so just crazy situations and like um the opportunities and the places I've I've got to see and tour around and things like that I just think's very I don't know I just suppose I feel lucky to to do it um because there are so many amazing singers um that that haven't had the same opportunities and um they might not ever just just based on i suppose i don't know it's, it's a number of things it's the things i talked about earlier like money luck contacts but i i would say i know you didn't ask me this as a question but i do think that a lot of it comes to your personality as well so a lot of singers in the band let's say you know you're not going to last long if people don't like you so you can still be bitchy and funny and like whatever you want to be and have find your slot in the band. But um, I think a lot of it is to do with your personality as well. And if, and if people like you and get on with you and they want to work with you. And to wrap up the conversation with you today, Vangelis, if you could give the listeners one piece of career advice, what would it be? I'd say to be persistent. It's probably the, the main one I'd say because a lot of people give up too easily and you know there does obviously get to a point where if you are getting no 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 
for years and years and years and years maybe it isn't the right thing you know i like to like if you do get some yeses in there then that's gonna it's gonna be a confidence boost but i think you've got to just keep going for it and keep doing it but i'm not going to sell a dream to people and say everyone can you know some people say just go for it and sometimes it doesn't happen sometimes it doesn't happen and it's not the right path for you but i always think i want to sound like my mum here when she says what's for you won't won't pass by you but i think that's true i think if you've got that mentality of like I'm going to do it. If you don't get it, it's fine. And also I've noticed that when you don't get something, a job or whatever, or your friend doesn't get it or something happens, I feel like it opens another door for somebody else. So that's like contributing to their journey. So in a way, when you turn down a job, you're actually opening, opening the door for somebody else or vice versa. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a, it's a, it's a knock on effect. It's like you say no to something or you say yes to something you're, you're Every, you're you're also you're like affecting someone's life without actually knowing that you are excellent look thank you so much for your time today um where can people go if they want to find out more about you so i'm on i'm vangelis polly um on instagram so and everywhere really yeah i cut off the door it was, just, it was too long so um yeah at vangelis polly um instagram facebook twitter um not doing tiktok yet not i'm not sure that's for me to be honest um but yeah so oh youtube or everything really so yeah it's been great listening to you tell your story and also great to meet you um so thank you yeah it was lovely to meet you thanks for having me and thank you to you my lovely listeners uh don't forget to subscribe review and share and i'll be back next week with another guest Bye for now.